I noticed it was kind of the night of the third day was when that critical mass kind of picked up. And as more people started doing it, they started sending out more of the anonymous invites and it really started clustering. And I, I think, you know, a thousand of our 2400 came in the last um, under 24 hours. Welcome back to The Founder's Couch. This is a talk show about the most inspiring student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Catherine Jang. Today on the show, we've got Ishan Gandhi. Ishan is a Stanford sophomore studying computer science and on a leave of absence. Hailing from London, he is the co-founder of Lighthouse, an ex-fund-backed startup bringing serendipity into social that's currently in public beta. In his first year at Stanford, Ishan spent his spare time building Link, a viral matchmaking platform that had a staggering 2,400 of Stanford's 7,000 undergrads sign up within just four days of being online. We talk Link and Lighthouse, Ishan's inspiration behind starting the two, and what he has learned by what he calls trial by fire. And for student founders out there building your first or second product from the ground up, I think many of you would relate to some of the things Ishan has to say. Now onto the show, let's get Ishan on the couch. Hey, Ishan, welcome to the show. Hi, Catherine. Great to, uh, great to be here. Ishan, can you maybe tell us a little bit about where you're from and where'd you grow up? There, there's definitely a strong English accent coming through. <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I am from and have grown up in London. Um, I always feel like a bit of imposter, a bit of an imposter when I say that because I, I spent 13 years there at a boarding school in like the middle of England. So I'm not really from London, from London, don't really know much about it. Um, and yeah, headed over to Palo Alto uh, last September to start at Stanford, finished my freshman year, and I'm now taking some time off. Yeah, that's incredible. And so I've given listeners a little bit of a, a backstory in terms of, I know you, you started Link and you also have started this other company called Lighthouse. And I guess in your own words, how would you describe what Link is and how would you describe what Lighthouse is? Sure. Um, yeah, so I guess just going in chronological order. Um, Link was something that I had, um, was thinking about for a while already, I think since full quarter of Stanford. Um, but it was only sort of when I had the time to sit down earlier on in quarantine that I, I kind of um, started writing code. Um, Link is, I, I try really hard to avoid using the term dating platform. Um, it's like a collegiate matchmaking platform, essentially, um, wherein each student uh, gets a chance to put in the name, the names of up to three other students at their university. Um, that they have some kind of romantic interest in. Um, and it actually only informs those people whose names you put in uh, if they also put in your name back. So there's an element of removing the kind of barriers to expressing things because if, if that effort is, is unrequited, there's, it's completely anonymous. Um, yeah, and then um, Lighthouse is something more recent, um, which is tough to, tough to boil down to one word because I normally tend to go into this whole long anecdote about quarantine and what brought me here when I normally talk about it, but essentially just a platform to passively initiate um, virtual socializing. Gotcha. I feel like both of those are especially relevant during these COVID times and definitely are, sure. are more, you know, beneficiary in that case. And I guess mm -hmm. in terms of the discussion today, Sean, I definitely want to spend some time on Link as well as Lighthouse, but also discuss something that you had brought out in our, our initial conversation, which is around like how, you know, as a student founder, you're often doing trial by fire, right? You're like, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you know, maybe one of your first couple of startups and you're just kind of building this thing and seeing how it goes. You're not necessarily, you're not necessarily the veteran of the world, if that makes sense. 
Michelle. So I guess starting with Link, what was the problem you guys were, were trying to solve and, and what kind of inspired you to solve it? Yeah, um, it's a funny story, which I actually, I just got clearance to, to say right before um, this call. Um, see where Link was inspired from. Um, in my freshman year at Stanford, um, I was interested in someone in the dorm right next door to mine. Um, but being Stanford, being freshman dorms, really socially interlinked. Uh, we had very overlapping friend groups and it becomes a very kind of everyone knows everyone environment. Um, so for a while in full quarter, I was kind of afraid of, of saying anything or expressing that just because of, you know, perceived social repercussions, call them what you will kind of thing um, around that. Um, happy ending to that story, we're, we're now dating. Um, but um, basically just going through that process of, yeah, just um, feeling the kind of social anxieties around stuff like that just made me more cognizant of um, what might help help improve this process a bit. Absolutely. And obviously this seems like it's, it's motivated from a personal experience. Did you, like obviously you probably did, but did you like talk to friends about this, this problem? Because um, I'm, I'm assuming you're not alone for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, there was actually a distinct period, I think in February. So before um, December closed down, I think I, I decided mentally that I was going to start building Sten. This then was talking to a bunch of friends um, about features they'd like to see and stuff like that um in my dorm right next to me um and then sort of got shelved for a bit as the world ended um and uh had a busy spring quarter and stuff like that um but yeah yeah definitely definitely not a solo effort and and inspired not just by my own experience but you know talking to friends seeing Stanford any any college environment is obviously just a, a very socially interlinked place and that's conducive to forming a lot of casual romantic attachments in the sense that you meet a lot of people um but also the converse of that is just um, potentially the, the perceived social repercussions of like anything going wrong in that regard can feel especially present. So it's just an interesting conversation. None of this sounds specific, just, you know, 20 year olds. Um, yeah. For sure. Just 20 year olds in, in a collegiate setting. Right. And I guess, so you experienced this, this problem. What led you to the solution of what the app ended up looking like? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was anything in particular. I've always, uh, this may be a complete non sequitur, but um, I remember using a, like a, a payments API um, like last summer um, that had this, um, this system of, you can commission someone to, what, just like a, a freelancer for a bit um, and essentially um, how that exchange was managed in terms of deliverables of, of, of projects um, was um, basically you would, the whoever was commissioning you would pay in milestones that they would would be set aside and would be withdrawn from their bank account but it wouldn't be sent to me until they'd indicated they were happy with, with what, what had been produced um and just sort of sit, sitting there and yeah so it's like an elegant solution of just having that third party there um in in a sense that's sort of what link is in terms of taking in people's interests holding it there and if the right conditions arise releasing that information um, this actually, this may be a bit of a reach because I don't think it's what I was thinking of when I was specifically led to that solution, but it's an interesting experience and maybe, you know, subconsciously played a role. For sure, for sure. And I guess when you were even focusing on this problem and, and building out an, an initial solution to this, was your hope that this would just be a Stanford thing or like, do, do you want this to be like ultimately just across the world at every university? Um, so at the time it was very much a Stanford thing. Um, so much so much so that like 
the the website had the word Stanford in it. All of the branding had the word Stanford in it. I got in a lot of trouble for that. You're not allowed to do that for anyone for anyone out there. Universities are very protective of their copyright if like something catches their attention. So don't do that. Um, but um, yeah, it was definitely intended as a as a Stanford thing um, early on, and it was only sort of once the reception was. Um, uh, yeah, more, more warm than anticipated that I started thinking about um, what can we take from here. For sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned like this particular solution, this third party that took in data and, and facilitated that interaction and how you got some inspiration from it. What did the app or, you know, interface ultimately look like? Yeah, very, very low overhead. Um, initial page, um, we, we, we should, yeah, we should talk about this more because it was um, a, a big part of, I think, why it sort of went around as fast as it did. But the initial page was just the word link, um, a little like shoot your shot Stanford type message, and then explain nothing about what it was, just had the number of Stanford students that had done it already, and a big, big countdown for, you know, this is the cutoff point right after this, you, you can't send anything anymore. Um, basically just, and this is absolutely not something that I'm to be credited for, but um, basically just to elicit a lot of FOMO. Um, the realization here being that like everything significant that had gone around Stanford in the year while I was there had that, you know, playing on the, the FOMO of uh, socially anxious college students a bit. So um, very cryptic opening page, just um, saying, hey, your peers are all doing this and you better get moving fast. Second page was actually what explained what it was. Um, little summary of put up to three names. If you get matched, we'll let you both know. Otherwise, no one finds out kind of thing. Had our privacy policy, everything like that. Um, and then the third page was really where you actually entered the name. Um, then there was a, a fourth page which was added pretty late on, um, which I, I take note of because it was, I think, by far and away, like the most notable thing that we ended up implementing, um, which was basically the idea that you could put in the name, the, sorry, the email of um, someone else on Stanford campus, presumably that you were interested in and whose name you put in the prior, in the prior page. Um, and you could send them an anonymous poke, which basically um, an anonymous email um, from our end which uh, basically said, hey, uh, someone is interested in you and someone really wants you to do this platform. That was, I think, the thing that just made it spread like wildfire because that, that was the talking point. That was what, you know, every like Stanford Misconnections and all of these, oh, sorry, whatever, our, our big like Facebook groups and Instagram groups that like the whole campus has together. That was what the, the buzz was going around on and everything like that. Uh, so that, that ended up being hugely, hugely pivotal. Absolutely. That's a, such an interesting and smart tactic of, of just like marketing um, and getting the word out really quickly that way. I think you said that there was around like 2,400 signups in four days, right? Yes. Can you maybe walk us through why you chose four days specifically? Yeah, um, so as to the, the specific time limit, I, I don't have a very good answer for, um, but in terms of just having a time limit, um, the rationale just there was, um, you know, everything that, spreads fast around college campuses hinges on FOMO in some sense and having that ticking counter on the front page I think would, would elicit a bit of that um, yeah and also me just wanted to, wanting it to feel like an event um, to feel like this is something that's happening right now um, and to have that really concentrated in a short period of time buzz um, around it um, the, the four days good question because in hindsight it was definitely too short um, we actually like I, I I noticed it was kind of the night of the third day was when that critical mass kind of picked up. And as more people started doing it, they started sending out more of the anonymous invites and it really started clustering. And I, I think, you know, a thousand of our 2,400 came in the last um, under 24 hours. So um, definitely was, was a bit annoyed uh, at how I picked that in hindsight. 
Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think I think sort of what I wasn't accounting for there was just the idea that four days, the number of picks on was like very rudimentary. I basically just went, okay, um, I send this out on X, Y, and Z on the first day. Um, people maybe do it by the end of the second day. Uh, and then we get the knock-on effects of their, like um, the emails they send out third day and then fourth day, everyone does it. Um, maybe what I had accounted for there is just um, in terms of on campus information just spreads faster because you see your friends in your dining hall, you see your friends in your lounge, you see your friends at the coffee shop and stuff like that. And if you had this crazy interesting news about, oh, I got this anonymous sort of crush invite, that's something that comes up then. Um, in our world now, it's something that waits till the next, you know, weekly scheduled Zoom night or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, the idea of, of having the, the time limit, some time limit is something I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so you mentioned like the time limit piece as well as the anonymity of that last page of being able to put someone's name down and them getting a little, like a little spicy email that says someone put your name down. Mm -hmm. Would you say those were kind of the top two tactics that you think led to that kind of crazy growth? Mm, yeah, um, um, that may be paired alongside um, our broader marketing push. I, I always, um, always had something against like email email list sending out um, just in the sense that everything at Stanford and I'm sure at all universities is sent out through big impersonal email lists wherein you have no you don't know the people you have no incentive to care about what, what they're shipping you or anything like that um, so wanted to avoid um, that um, essentially it was more of a, a peer-to-peer local thing wherein I'd reach out to friends of mine um, traditionally excuse the sort of high schooly language but people of maybe high social capital um, and get them to put it on social media, um, put a little cryptic message that linked to the website. Um, just based on the idea that re really, it, it's not just about getting in front of people, it's about getting in front of people with some social authority. Um, so one freshman that sends it on a big email list that reaches the entire campus, it'll, it'll be in front of everyone's eyes, but they won't, they won't do a lot with that. Whereas if they're seeing it on, let's say the Instagram stories of their clubmate, of their teammate, of their freshman dorm friend, things like that, um, yeah, that, that, that kind of peer-to-peer -peer recommendation is a bit more powerful. Mm, that's very interesting. Yeah, Instagram marketing and I guess bouncing off uh, networks and, and stuff like that. It's very cool. Mm -hmm. I guess switching gears, Ishan, to, to Lighthouse, because I definitely want to talk a little bit about that before we move on to, I guess, our main discussion around just trial by fire and what you learned um, through all of, the, all of those experiences. What was the inspiration behind Lighthouse? And, and yeah, how did you get the idea for that? Yeah, um, so for Lighthouse, it was a more time-specific process of, you know, obviously I'd, I'd had a fantastic start to my freshman year at Stanford, um, and then it closed down, we were all sent home. Um, my co-founder, Ben and I, Ben was in Israel, I was in the UK, um, and we, we just noticed amongst our kind of like overlapping social circles, um, that there was just something laborious about the process um, of getting on calls with people. Um, that didn't replicate the kind of spontaneity of the in-person experience. Uh, you know, at Stanford, we, we both had the privilege of being kind of uh, very social freshman dorms and things like that. And you, you go into the lounge anytime there's someone sitting there. Uh, you go to the dining hall, there's always someone sitting there. There's just a lot of spontaneity of social interaction. That doesn't translate when you have to, you know, reschedule your Zoom meeting five times to get on the phone with a friend or send out when to meet and think, things like that. Um, so Lighthouse was basically just designed to make that a bit more spontaneous but more serendipitous connection. Um, it's pretty simple. It's, a, it's an iOS app, um, which is really all centered around one button. Um, and that's the button to turn your light on. Uh, you turn your light on and you can do that either to all your friends or to separate rings of them. Um, and it will send all of your friends a notification um, that you're free to talk. 
they click on that notification, they get taken to a FaceTime with you. Um, just playing a bit more on the kind of the loose parts of our day, the, you know, the, the, the 10 minutes in between different calls and stuff like that. We, we could talk, but it, it, you know, you wouldn't preempt that. Um, and making kind of keeping in touch with friends a bit more serendipitous in, in that sense. Um, we're in beta right now, um, but it's already, it's been like just so fantastic and so rewarding to speak to friends from my dorm who I absolutely love, but just we wouldn't go through the mutual labor of setting up calls with um, and just reconnecting with them. Um, so yeah, been fantastic so far. That's incredible to see like the solution that you're building kind of benefit your own life. That's, that's yeah. so rewarding. And I guess a question that, that comes to mind, Sean, is, and we talked a little bit about this in our first call, how would you say this is different from, let's just say, half party, um, which was super hyped up, you know, back in the day? Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of cool differences. Um, Lighthouse is one-to-one -one connection, um, which sounds like a trivial difference, but it leads into a lot in terms of health party is very active. Uh, you, you go onto it, you sit in a room and you wait for your friends to hop on. Um, Lighthouse is a lot more passive than that. The idea here being that you, you, you turn your button um, and you get back to, you know, your walk, your cooking, whatever loose moments in the day that you were doing that you would just sort of love to have some company for. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a, I guess, seems like a, a trivial difference in terms of how it's built, but in terms of use cases becomes hugely important just in terms of the time that you'd get on it um, and, and more realistically simulating kind of real person conversation in terms of one-to-one uh, -one connection. Interesting. Yeah, definitely putting, it seems like more of the emphasis on one-on-one -on -one versus just a group of, of, of friends getting together. Um, mm. Yeah, so I guess switching gears one last time, Ishan, to, to kind of the main discussion point I wanted to bring the conversation to today, which is around, like you mentioned this quote, trial by fire, and obviously mm. having to put, on, put out several fi fires and, and what you learned throughout the process. What were some of the fires from Link, from Lighthouse, that you can think of um, that really brought you a ton of learning experience. Yeah, um, yeah, R really happy that we're talking about this because it felt like a pretty defining experience of my relatively young foray into, into the world of entrepreneurship so far. Um, yeah, um, I mean, the one that comes to mind most recently with, Light, with Lighthouse. And I, I think the theme that I'm going to keep picking up throughout all of these is just lack of foresight um, in terms of scale and, and what that would do to things. Um, the one that we had with the Lighthouse beta um, was basically our like Firebase plan for our, our backend um, was suited enough for the, you know, 20 to 25 friends we were planning on sending Lighthouse out to. Um, we didn't foresee that they would send it to their friends and their home friends and their dorms and things like that. Um, and actually ended up with uh, sort of a non-trivial number of users over and above what we were expecting for the beta um, and just hadn't upgraded our, our Firebase plan to to the version that allows for that. Um, so, you know, was um, woken up in the middle of the night by like a frantic Ben on the phone going, nothing is working. Every time someone clicks on this, it says that like the permissions are blocked or something like that. Um, and yeah, like some, something that sh should have seemed, um, we, we, you know, didn't, did, while beta wasn't in test flight, it was, it was on the app store um, and didn't foresee that, that like kind of really organic virality. Um, yeah, just didn't foresee what that scale would do and, and hadn't consolidated what that would do um, in terms of the back end and what we were paying for. Um, and then another one would think that actually leads in really nicely um, to this is my, my, we spoke a bit about the four days thing earlier. Um, and that was always, I was always a bit hell bent on that, that like it needs to feel like an event. It needs to feel like something is happening when these, these, um, these emails of match notifications come out to everyone on campus at the same time. Um, 
what I didn't see is basically our, our, the, the email host we were using um, has a spam limit um, when you're trying to send out you know, 2,400 emails at the same time. Um, so rather than being um, that kind of big, huge event of everyone finding out at the same time um, that I initially envisioned, it was 600 emails being sent out, then us being blocked because it thinks we're like a corporate shill marketing machine um, and then another 600 like going out, you know, 12 hours later, um, which is not ideal because everyone who hasn't got it thinks that it's broken or something like that. Um, yeah, both hinging on just the kind of things that don't matter on a very local scale, um, but require a bit of foresight in terms of um, when things grow. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely been a pretty defining experience of um, this whole journey so far. Um, and, and one that I've, I've been really happy to do in the context that I've been working in that like, I'm a 19 year old and um, in both cases I had people, I had Emma helping me with, um, uh, with Link and um, I co-founded Ben on Lighthouse. So there was like a communal element to all of these fires together. Um, and also just the fact that I'm a 19 year old and don't really need sleep. Um, so um, yeah, really, really sort of embracing this part and parcel of the experience as things stand. And yeah, lots of, lots of learn. For sure. Um, I love those two examples that you brought up. That's that's definitely super interesting. And I think also from the technical perspective, like when you're building, you're a technical founder and you're building this MVP, I feel like something that definitely crosses people's minds is like, how do you balance getting this to market fast versus thinking about scalability, right? Um, mm -hmm. Kind of between the two. And I guess like going forward, what would be your advice for, I don't know, like students who are, you know, a technical founder who, is building an MVP, like how much should they be thinking about the scalability aspect um, and versus just focusing on and getting it quick to the market? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's hard to answer in qualitative terms. Um, I think the notable, I mean, I, I, I was very impatient with all of this, um, impatient person in general wanted to, you know, as soon as like I had the matching thing working for Link, I sent it out to, to the first people, um, probably way too soon, but also in hindsight, you know, none of these issues were, horrendous um in that um yeah all, all things that could be um kind of done on the job um yeah tough to tough to answer more than just to acknowledge that there is a balance and it's a tough one to strike um and i think i did it i think i did it wrong i think i was a bit too impatient for sure i guess hindsight is 2020 and we all we all right. learn from um from our fires right. so it's great that you've, you've taken those learnings with you and i guess kind of shifting gears one last because I definitely want to ask you these, these fire round questions, which is mm -hmm. basically um, four quick questions that I'm going to fire you about just general advice that you'd want to give to other student founders and also where you see Link and Lighthouse going and what are the next steps for yourself. So are you ready? Absolutely. All righty. So first question is, what do you think is unique about being a student founder? Yeah, um, I think it's having very unique domain knowledge of things, especially in the social sphere, that generally people outside that context won't get, right? Like but both of the problems that both of um, what I've worked on have been inspired from are, are things that struck me because I was living them. Um, so I think that context is really valuable. What about one piece of advice for students who are looking to start something? As simple as just meet people. Um, I'm my co-founder, Ben, um, who's you know one of the most resourceful people I've ever met. Um, just at Stanford, um, I've met, you know, some of really incredible mentors at Stanford. So I, I, I yeah, it sounds intangible and a bit hand wavy, but, but just meeting people. What about quarantine activity that keeps you sane? Uh, 
bike rides around North London. And last question, Ishan, where do you see Lincoln Lighthouse going and what are the next steps for Ishan Gandhi? Um, yeah, so, so since August, uh, we raised uh, pre-seed funding from X Fund for Lighthouse um, and that's what I'm working full time on right now. Um, Link, I'm actually um, passing operational control of to my significant other. Um, I'm just realizing now I, I told the origin story at the start, so this, uh, this links back very nicely. Um, but yeah, um, for me personally, I'm um, going to be working on Lighthouse full-time. So, so optimistic uh, about where this is going just because we've had such fantastic feedback from the beta. Um, and yeah, really, really couldn't be uh, more excited to, um, for our, our broader post-beta launch. Absolutely. And, and just to see you, as you said, like a 19-year-old a venturing in, into these two, two startup ideas, it's super inspiring to see you, you know, kind of kill, kill the game and, and still keep learning. Thanks so much. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the show today, Sean. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a fantastic episode. Thanks so much, Ishan, for coming on the couch. And to all of you for tuning into this episode. If you liked hearing from a student founder, you might enjoy episode number 21, where we talk with Amber Yang. If you haven't already, subscribe to Founders Couch wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and review. If you want to see more from us or DM me ideas for questions or guests, which again are always, always welcome, follow us on Instagram at Founders Couch. Catch us Friday after next, October 30th, for another Founders Couch Friday. I'm Catherine Jane, and you've been listening to The Founders Couch. See y'all soon!